That's right. I'm praying. What you gonna do about it? We've all seen that episode of Sex in the City. I guess that's it for civilization then. <laughs> we just throw deodorant and bars of soap. <laughs> Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's the cruelest man I know. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. This isn't our own chutney. <laughs> uh, look, that was the line of this particular episode of Parade's End. Yeah, by uh, far. Parade's End Part 2 That's is right. what we are covering today, cousins. Mm-hmm. And great news. Yeah. We love this. We, yeah. We it's have really gone good. completely nutso for this thing. Yeah. Like... We watched the second episode shortly, I think right after we recorded the first part. If you recall, we were waffling. Yeah. We didn't know quite what to make of it. We were on the fence, yeah. But like, the second part is brilliant, and we're kind of obsessed with this now. Yeah, we're very excited to continue with the rest of this uh, miniseries. Yeah, Yeah. so since we like it so much, these might be kind of boring episodes. (laughs) <laughs> right, <Episodes. laughs> you know it's no. well. There aren't like horrifying demon children, or like you know. Maybe there's a rapping dog in part three, <laughs> explaining the rules of wartime uh, Britain. Yeah, or you know, he you know get knocked out in the trenches and have a hallucination, and there's oh, a yeah. rapping dog <laughs> and a horrifying painting. <laughs> And the Groby tree. It does have the Groby tree. It does have tree. the Groby tree. You guys. Good Lord. What the hell? Yeah. All this in, in due right. course. Uh, I believe we have new countries this week. We do. We have two new countries to report. They are Azerbaijan and Libyan Arab Jahimaria, which means Libyan Arab Republic. And that's how it's reported on our statistics. Although I believe that since... The uh, they overthrew Gaddafi. I believe that is no longer the official name. I believe it is now just the state of Libya and not the Libyan Arab Republic. Okay. Uh, but in any case, those are the two new countries, and we are glad to have them. Yes. Welcome, cousins. Yes. We have some excellent telegrams to share with you today. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook by searching up yours downstairs. You can find us on Twitter, aka Carrier Pigeons, mm-hmm. at five, the number five, Maggie Smiths. Uh, or you can email us at upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our first telegram comes from Cousin Krista, who writes, Hello, cousins. The U.S. airing of DA4 is rapidly approaching, and I wanted to drop you to a line in regards to something that had all of us confused from way, way back in DA1 episode 3. The Pamuking. <laughs> Remember how we were all speculating about what sorts of things Kamal Pamuk was planning to do to Mary in order that she may still be a virgin for her husband? Baron Julian Fellows himself has deigned to enlighten us as to this point. The script books for seasons one and two have been released, and they contain dialogue and sometimes even whole scenes that were edited out of the final production, and Fellows offers certain annotations throughout. As for the great deflowering, he has this to say. In the end, the powers made a cut that we all came to regret. After commenting that Mary could still be a virgin for your husband, which stayed in, Kamal was supposed to say, a little imagination, a file of blood hidden beneath the pillow, you wouldn't be the first. But this was excised. Despite arguing fairly passionately, I could not convince them the lines were needed. I explained that without them, it was anyone's guess what Kamal was doing to Mary that would leave her virginity intact. But they were confident that no one would make any untoward connection. Nobody will think that, they said. 
but everyone thought it. <laughs> we had letters and calls of complaints. We had indignant Turkish viewers, and no wonder. <laughs> However, one thing I did realize from this moment, and that was the extent to which people were watching the show in detail. Some of them would see every episode two, three, four times, all of which meant that they assumed Pamuk did something unspeakable, which we won't name here. So, mystery solved, but still no word on the rather rapey tone the whole scene carries. My favorite part of this quote is perhaps the very British way he refuses to give name to our various sexual speculations about the nature of Marianne Pamuk's intimacy. One additional note, my original subject for this email was going to be, you can still be a virgin for your husband, but I changed it in the interest of not being deleted as spam from some shady organization selling artificial hymens. Cheers, Cousin Krista. <laughs> well, thank you, Cousin Krista. We have not looked at the script books yet. Right. Um, uh, which, which seems ridiculous yeah, and we should. lame. As as people that have watched every episode two, three, even four times. <laughs> yeah. Uh we really ought to uh check those out. But yeah. this is this is great. So now we know yeah, uh that, that Julian Fellows is as imaginative as the rest of us. It's merely <laughs> yes. his producers. I do I'm just not sure uh that it's unspeakable. Well I right. mean, you know, we've all seen that episode of Sex in the City I mean, where Charlotte refuses to be the butt girl. It's apparently unspeakable on PBS. Well, okay. Yeah. And that's a reasonably fair point, <laughs> although I would say, you know, I once watched an episode of the American Experience as a child about the Donner Party. Ah. Which I would have found significantly more disturbing at any age than <laughs> any discussion about uh anal sex yes. on PBS. Right. Yeah, and that <laughs> they were confident that no one would make any untoward connection. Have you met people at all? <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> like <laughs> like throughout history, have right. you seen graffiti in ancient Rome? Like <laughs> right. we are the worst. Right. Untoward connections, it's sort of the, you know, thing that we do yeah we traffic in untoward connections <laughs> yes it's what keeps us going as a race <laughs> right <laughs> our next telegram comes from cousin esther who writes what ho dear cousins i listened to your newest episode about parades and last night and though i've not had the opportunity to watch it yet i immediately looked it up on imdb and wikipedia looking at the cast list i realized that tom meissen i guess it's pronounced the actor who, who portrays potty chumpstash is the same actor who plays Ichabod Crane on Sleepy Hollow. After comparing Potty and Ichabod, I think I prefer Ichabod. In any case, Benedict Cumberbatch is still the weirdest looking thing this side of the sun. Interestingly enough, though, I still find him attractive. It must be his voice. TTFN, Cousin Aster. Uh, first of all, Potty Chumpstash? Yeah. Ah. Uh. <laughs> that's perfect that's yes. amazing yes so uh henceforth he will be known as potty chumpstash mm -hmm. so congrats cousin esther and actually our next uh telegram uh is along the same lines about the purported attractiveness of benedict cumberbatch you yes. know i did ask to hear people's stories right and uh lady amanda our honorable cousin has <laughs> really gone the extra mile here okay Dear Cousin Kelly and Cousin Tom, I just listened to your recap of Parade's End Episode 1 and must say I found it extremely diverting. Even though I haven't actually watched it and therefore have no proper room to judge, I must say you handled it with your usual snarktastic wit. Now, I must direct the rest of this telegram expressly to Cousin Kelly, as I noticed your pronounced confusion as to why so many women are attracted to the demonically mortifying <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. 
Firstly, it struck me that you seem to have a knack for evading the charms of certain actors who seem to enthrall other women. Benedict is just such a case. Another example is your infamous dislike of the notorious Mr. John Bates, played by Brendan Coyle, who many women happen to find extremely... Charming. <laughs> I shan't waste any time trying to get you to come over to the dark side and become a cumberbat, as I affectionately call his fans, but I would like to cover some finer points. I'll try my very best not to freak you and Tom out, but I can't make any guarantees. You described the Benedict's eyes as soulless, and his face is terrifying. Well, not to disturb you, but that's the point. He's scary, which some women just seem to like. I'm sure many of his fans would pay good money to hear him say, I want your soul. <laughs> I won't deny, Seabatch is quite probably an alien, which would explain a lot. But he's an alien with very fine skeletal structure. His cheekbones in particular are very nice. And keep in mind, this is just my weirdness. He has an exceedingly fine collarbone. Certainly, Benedict's work on Sherlock has quite a lot to do with why women find him so... I think mesmerizing would be a good word to use. As I have already stated, I don't expect this telegram to change your mind, but I just thought I would play devil's advocate and try and explain why other ladies like Seabatch so much, though I fear I may not have done a very good job. Lastly, I would like to say that you are perfectly entitled to your opinions, and I won't cry sacrilege just because you don't find Benedict attractive. Everyone has different tastes. I, for example, don't happen to think much of Tom Hardy, who seems to be regarded as one of the hottest British men alive. I can't explain why. I just don't like his face, though his puffy lips might have something to do with it. Ah, uh, well, where would we be without diversity? With regards, your honorable cousin, Lady Amanda, Countess of Greenbank. P.S. Am I spelling Seabatch correctly? Uh, yes, you were in fact spelling Seabatch correctly. Correct sure. spelling, capital C, capital <laughs> B, A T C H. And uh, congratulations, yeah. cousin Lady Amanda. You're our cousin of the week for rallying to our call for explanation <laughs> on Benedict Cumberbatch's attractiveness. Yeah, congratulations. I still find it odd. I, you know, he is, he's very similar. In, in many ways, very dissimilar, but his attractiveness to me is like Robert Pattinson's, where I just don't... They, they look like a monster to me. <laughs> like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. You know. I mean, I respect Seabatch much more, uh, but oh, just yeah. in terms and, well, of the I'll physical say, appearance... I, I will say this. I've I've really grown to like mm-hmm. Christopher Tejans ah. uh, on Parade's End. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm beginning... Listen, I don't... You know, I don't want to well, get down with the sea batch. And I'll I'll also say too, a lot of times it is uh, the character. Well, and and I know one of my good friends uh, mm-hmm. is a huge fan of Sherlock, and mm-hmm. that is the reason that she is attracted to him. Is and I right because I never saw. I mean, I never I. I saw that John Hamm was a reasonably attractive person, but I never understood why people went crazy for him until I saw him in Mad Men. Yes, and then I was like, oh, that's like the extra, you know. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I understand, you know, being attracted to sort of like a scary dude. Yeah. I, I do get that. Yeah. It's sort of how I feel about Christian Bale in American Psycho, mm. uh, which if it wasn't directed by a woman would probably mean that I should lose my feminist card. <laughs> uh, no, but I find him just insanely attractive in them. I mean, he's just insanely attractive. Yeah. Just, you enough. know, FYI people, sometimes I do like guys <laughs> that everybody likes. Uh, but, you know... I find him more attractive in that movie than I do in Little Women where he plays Laurie, which, super attractive, floppy hair, <laughs> whole different situation. Right. But, uh, you know, I just want him to look in my eyes and say he's in Murders and Executions. I don't know why. That's not, you know, it doesn't end well. Right. For anyone but uh, Chloe Sevigny. <laughs> 
and perhaps Samantha Mathis. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so congrats, cousin Amanda. Yes. We are thrilled that you explained this and, uh, you said it very well. She said in here she thinks she hasn't done a good job. I thought that was really thorough. Yeah, I thought so too. Congrats. Congrats. All right. Yes. Well, now we've got all of the ceremony out of the way. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about parades and OMG, aka yeah. my new favorite show. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's quite something. So we'll kick it off. Uh, we see, uh, a word about the credits. Uh, yes. Worst parade I've ever seen. <laughs> just, ugh. Like, I get what they're going for, but I'm right. just like, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, agreed. And I keep forgetting that uh, Tom Stoppard wrote this. Yeah. And I think this is the best work he's done in years. <laughs> yeah. Frankly. Fair uh, enough. Also, this is directed by a woman named Susanna White. She directed, I think, all five parts. Okay. So, uh, well done, HBO and BBC. Yeah. Congratulations there. Uh, so yeah, Seabatch is getting off a bus, uh, in the woods somewhere, and Sylvia is there to meet him. He is like, oh, well, thanks for coming out yourself. And she's like, oh, didn't you hear? Uh, your, your mother died. And then Seabatch pulls off, like, this should just be his Emmy clip for everything. Yeah. He go his face goes through all five Kubler-Ross stages <laughs> of grief within, yeah. you know, 45 seconds. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really incredible. Yeah, it it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they're in a car being driven back to the the estate or whatever it is she's staying. They're at a German spa. That's yeah. been the cover story since she's been off with Potty Chumpstash. Right. Is that she's at this spa in Germany with her mother and that wacky old priest. Right. <laughs> Which she is. Uh, she uh, kind of pokes at uh, Seabatch a bit and saying that she sylvia killed seabatch's mother um you know by by running off or by coming back and seabatch is like she died of a medical condition not he of a literary will broker no fun yeah no one is having fun on the seabatch's watch right that's right at all he is like no he is very clear on the subject it's so funny because he seems more Catholic than her. <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, she's got a certain Anglican profligacy that I find very <laughs> charming, whereas he's like, death. Right. Although she's always talking about death. Yeah, that's true. I like them as a couple. <laughs> I just, <laughs> right. I do. I yeah. think both of them find society's conventions really stifling. Yeah. And they've both chosen to deal with that in a way that makes them completely incompatible <laughs> to yeah. each other. Yeah. But I mean they they recognize something right. Very well, I mean clearly it's primal. That's kind of what got them into this whole situation in the first place. True enough. Yeah. Um yeah, well because she tells him that she told the weird old priest uh showed him his telegram saying that Showing that the price for taking me back is that our child shall be eternally damned. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, to be fair, like, Seabatch is eternally damned too, right? Yeah. Like, if that's the deal, like... Yeah, don't they want to be together? Right, exactly. You don't even like that kid. Yeah. <laughs> she then checks her makeup in her compact that she got from... Gerald. Gerald. It's Gerald, not Ford, but that's what I want to call him. All right. <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, and he, like, notices it and very, like, subliminally reacts to seeing it. And she throws it out the window with a moving car. He then stops the car and goes and gets it. Right. And 
she, you know, basically says, oh, you know, I saw Gerald the other day and I was like, oh, what a brute. How could I ever have like done that? And then she's like, it's a very pretty box though. (laughs) But I'm just like, it's so weird because it's like she is constantly crying out for his affection and attention. Right. And he just can't give it to her. Well, yeah, he just refuses to, he refuses to say that his emotions are affected by anything that she does. Yeah. Like he won't, you know, and that's why, you know, even though he did react to that compact, he refuses to admit that he did or that it means anything to him. Or Honestly, that and I didn't even catch that he reacted. So good eye on that. Cause yeah. I thought she was just, you know, yeah. Like, well, of course he would be upset right. by this. And I mean, it was very, like, he just sort of looked at it. And I mean, to yeah. an extent, it was as much just sort of the editing, you know, yeah. you know, creating that moment. But yeah, it did happen. It is a pretty box though. <laughs> it is. They get to the spa, which is super German. It's like, that's his house! Yeah. It's, it's startlingly German. Willkommen! Uh, yeah. Uh, and in fact, weirdo priest, Father Consett, he says that it was one of the last places to be Christianized in Europe, and it's the pagan influence in that spot that is like making Sylvia a hoe. Like, and I'm like, dude. She's been a hoe, like, you can't get this girl in a place where she's not a hoe. Right. Like, she's been all over Europe. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and we mean all over Europe. Yeah. Banging dudes. Regardless <laughs> of how long the location had been Christianized. That really hasn't been a factor with her. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, ba- I was just going to say, Seabatch reveals that they're giving up their house and are going to live in an apartment. And uh, Mrs. Sylvia, Mrs. Satterthwaite? Satterthwaite, Satterthwaite, yeah. that's right. <laughs> right. Satterthwaite is like, uh, hey, spoiler alert, ding-dong head, <laughs> that means everybody's going to know what happened. Right. And he's like, yeah, don't give, don't give a shit. Yeah. He's like, she knows what she did. Right. I don't care. Like, I'm not, cause, because the mother, Satterthwaite, was like paying for their house. Right. And right. he's like, yeah, I'm not taking your money because this hoe is a hoe. Yeah. It's true. And he's, and he's, yeah, and he's like, oh, we'll just say we gave it up because of the new tax. Yeah. No, I mean, look, he's very thorough. Yeah. He's a good man. And, he, and thorough. Oh, right. Well, and he just doesn't care what everybody unofficially knows. Like, if, if no, they don't as officially long as it, know it's it. It's very British. As yeah. long as everything looks fine, yeah. it is fine. Mm-hmm. And Satterthwaite even says as much because she's, you know, counseling certain things because the Duke, who is their kind of senior ranking person on the Satterthwaite side right, of things. Right, right. He's like, yeah, I don't like, he doesn't like it when lives become untidy. Yeah. And Seabatch is like, bitch, I got this. Right. I'm all about tidy. Right. My name is Christopher Tidy Tejans. <laughs> Indeed. So Sylvia kind of is pissed and storms off to pack for death, as she says, and asks for her mother's maid. Uh, however, the mother says that she will go herself as Sylvia hit her maid with a hairbrush the other day, and she's only borrowed her and doesn't want to return her damaged. I really I, – I feel in like some ways I prefer the attitudes toward the help in this series versus Downton Abbey mm-hmm. because there's no attempt at humanizing them. Right. I mean what Downton Abbey is doing is valuable, I think. I mean it's also yeah, yeah. set – significantly later in the period right. for the majority of it. Right. But like you really see how much the help is treated as objects. Right. And 
I just find that very interesting. But yeah. at the same time, you know, like uh, Sylvia's relationship with, you know, good old Hello Central. Right. Like, Hello Central loves it. She freaking loves it. Seems to be. I, I cannot figure out why. Yeah. But, you know, I guess some people enjoy that. Well, I mean, you know, there's, you know, she's got her job and other people have the jobs where you, like, carry, you know, 40 gallons of water That's upstairs true. to the bath. You but know? I like and, those details, too. Right. Because it's like, you know, we see McGee in the bathtub. Right. But we don't see how the water gets in the bathtub. Yeah. And I love those kinds of details. Yeah, yeah. And I think also the styling, the period styling on this show is superb. Mm-hmm. I mean, just everything looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed. What uh, we're saying is you should be watching this. Right. A lot of you have written in and said, I haven't actually watched it. This is worth actually spending money on. Right. You heard it here first. Yeah, by all means. Um, back in uh, Groby, we see, here's the thing. I know you said that uh, well, Susanna White. White. I be- she did direct this, although I believe they brought in Guillermo del Toro just to direct the tree. Right? <laughs> like, it is extremely. Good lord. Oh, my God. It's horrific. Right. Like, what is going to happen with this tree? Is it going to start eating people? <laughs> I know. It's like those trees in The Nightmare Before Christmas that are the portals to all the different holiday worlds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 upsetting. It's very upsetting. So, old Mr. Tejans right. is sitting there with young Mr. Tejans. The Nazi batch, his Rupert, brother. Uh, how do, Rupert Everett. How do... Ruev. It's like RuPaul, but British. Uh, Anyway, old dad man is talking to (laughs) Rupert Everett, and he's saying, oh, by the way, in case I die, I'm putting uh, this one-up kid through Eton and then to his father's college at Oxford. He's like, if I die... He's like, uh, uh, he also says nothing in writing, but like, you'll take care of that, right? And I'm like, this is the guy who's a dick. Yeah. And also is now like cheated out of this estate. Yeah. Because Seabatch got, uh, Sylvia knocked up. Yeah. So, so I would not trust this. Like, right. Why tell him? Why not tell Seabatch? Seabatch would be like, oh, very good. And, you know, <laughs> right. they'll do it. Yeah. Like, you know, Seabatch doesn't need anything in writing because by God, a word has been given and all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Cause that fucking, would... you know, duty. Yeah. <laughs> duty. duty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So before that conversation happens though, old Tejans, is like, oh, hey, Ruev, do you want a pipe? And yeah. Ruev is like, oh, no, thank you. And uh, then old Mr. Tejans goes up to the tree, just pulls a pipe down and lights it. I'm like, Well, there's a bunch of pipes on this thing. Well, whose job is it to, to keep it piped? Well, right. It was like, is this Oz? And I feel like, you know, you just go, oh, you go get a pipe off the pipe tree and then go to get a match from the match bushes and you know, you're all set. <laughs> it's so creepy. Yeah. Um, uh, and to underline the creepiness of the tree, then we get a shot of the tree at night. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Don't show the tree at night. No. That's when it lives. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a dress hanging from it. Yeah. I'm like, where is the owner of that dress? Somewhere in the <laughs> digestive tract of this carnivorous tree? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's horrifying. It's very horrifying. Oh, uh, yeah. God. Um. Yeah, so the we we see the uh, funeral of Mrs. Cumberbatch, uh, and <laughs> Mrs. Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
sorry. Mrs. No, Teacher. it's fine. Um, and Sylvia says that they're going to have to cut that tree down. Oh, well, first she comes out. Well, yes. I can't quite sort this bit out. Right. Because she comes out and she's dressed to, look, the woman knows how to dress. Yeah. She is absolutely stunning. Yeah. So she comes out very tricked out. I think it's because it's mentioned later that she's wearing a hobble skirt. Correct. But then old Mr. Tejan says she looks like a, and then Rupert Everett says, I know. And I'm like, do you mean she looks like a harlot? Because number one, she is. And number two, like, look at that hair. <laughs> right. Anyway. I mean, I can only assume, although again, you know, it's very inscrutable. We, is this something where we're not supposed to be making any untoward conclusions again? Like <laughs> this is Tom Stoppard, <laughs> so I think we're supposed to be making all of the untoward conclusions. That's, no, that's a good point. Um. Anyway, so she's walking down past the Groby tree, and she's like, "That cedar needs to go." And we're like, "Yeah, Team <laughs> Sylvia, get yeah. rid of that fucking tree." And yes. Seabatch is like, "Where generations have been married under right. the Groby tree?" And she's like, "Yeah, well, your brother's not going to do it, so I guess Michael's going to have to cut it the fuck down." Yeah, but I mean, I do really like her arrogance because she yeah. did produce the only viable heir to this estate. It's true. Yeah. So. So suck on that. Boom. Tree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, and it feels like in response to that, uh, Seabatch gets his kid a pony. Yeah. Well, I think it's just him. And remember, this may not even be his kid. Yeah. I forgot, but then I remember. That's a good point. Yeah. But anyway, so, oh, but it's so, I, I want more scenes of them together. Like, yeah. I know the whole point is like alienation and, right, you know, right. everyone is miserable all the time. Yeah. But, oh, that little boy petting that pony's nose. Yeah. Just ovaries exploding. <laughs> yeah. When he was like, you know, he was like, go ahead, it won't bite. And I was like, ponies sometimes bite like you should uh, you know seabatch has made sure the bite has been beaten out of this particular <laughs> pony yeah no that's true look he wouldn't get his kid an untrained pony yeah that's true i mean he probably trained it himself just by looking into its eyes for like 30 <laughs> seconds it's like very good you understand <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i don't know if it's this scene but when he smiles when seabatch smiles yeah he looks like the oogie boogie man <laughs> He does. He has a very uh, similar shaped face. In case you haven't figured this out, we definitely did watch The Nightmare Before Christmas very recently. <laughs> we did. Uh, Tis the season. But oh my god, he just, like, the only thing more terrifying than his face <laughs> normally is him smiling. Like a, like a, like a whole smile where his yeah. face wrinkles up yeah. and folds in upon itself. <laughs> it's like looking into the heart of the TARDIS. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> Indeed. So yeah, and we do see at this point, this is the bath scene. Mm-hmm. So we see the, the two big servants lugging a giant container of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hello Central supervising the operation. And testing the temperature of the water. Indeed. And Sylvia flounces in and she's like, OMG, Hello Central. Although she call- she's calling her Evie now, right. which is her apparent real name. Yes, indeed. She's saying, you know, there's not a water closet in this entire house. I got a flea in my ear. <laughs> yes. And then she says there's no ashtrays either. Yeah. So she's taking this all as a personal affront. And then right. she gets down to the HBO mandated nudity. But yes. I really like this nudity. Well, and this nudity was key to the scene It as was well. key to the... 
You know, there's there's certainly something to be said. Like, if you want to mandate nudity, great. Yeah. But it's not. People are. I'm naked right now. <laughs> I'm not actually yeah, naked. Yeah, it's, it's not true. Podcasting yeah. while naked is very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, no. But I mean, first again, this woman is so beautiful. Yes. She is. Is this Rebecca Hall? Is that her name? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. We don't know their names. <laughs> We're terrible. There is only Seabatch. <laughs> right. It's the only name we know. It's the only name we want to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, so she gets in the bath and then uh, Seabatch comes in and he's like, oh, you know, I, my Seabatch voice sounds like Bane. <laughs> it's true. My sister is leaving and <laughs> Michael, you should probably say goodbye. <laughs> yes. Uh, so she's like, uh, okay, great. My maid took the towel, and he like is like refusing to look at her beautiful naked boobs. Right, that he's legally married to. He legally is married to those boobs. Yeah, before God and man, mm-hmm. like come on. Yeah, what? Anglican or Catholic, they're married. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, she gets very frustrated, and then has, goes into this whole Tom. It's like the Tom Stoppardiest thing that ever oh, happened. God, yeah, because in our idiots Eden. Yeah, yeah. No, that was definitely like because it actually isn't too stopperty for the most part. But that one right there was like he was like I'm keeping this one in. <laughs> Nobody can stop me. <laughs> I'm the stopper. Boom. Yeah. Well, because it felt like it felt like I it it felt like she the actress was uncomfortable with it too. Like not not yeah, terribly like so. Like complete but, nudity, not a problem. Right. This monologue. Yeah. That's a little on the nose. Yeah. She was like, "Sorry, am I auditioning in this scene? <laughs> what is going on here?" Anyway, uh, she is frustrated with her situation and tells him she is going to live chaste because she wants to. Yes. And Seabatch and all the viewers at home are like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Once a hoe, always a hoe. But she's found a convent where you're allowed to bring your own maid, so... I, you know what? I would go back to being a Catholic if I could be exactly the kind of Catholic (laughs) that she is. Yeah. She's just like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally a Catholic because I say so. Yeah. It's like, that's right. I'm praying. What you gonna do about it? <laughs> <laughs> As if it's this act of rebellion. <laughs> right. It's like, you know this is what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. But I mean, it sort of is, you know, I mean, it is, you know, like, you know, among the eternal shames of Seabatch is the fact that he banged a Catholic and is married to one now. Yeah, like, that's, that's true. You know, like, that's... Bad move, Amber. Yeah, yeah. Poor form, Peter. <laughs> All that's left for Seabatch is to say, to die would be a great adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Cousins, are you having fun? We're having a blast. We're having a great time here. Uh, are you not having a good time? Is someone you know not having a good time? <laughs> if so... We want to hear your story. Yeah, but don't be dicks about it. Right? <laughs> um, so August 1913. A day that will live in... Uh, N- nothing. Just yeah, sort of just a random... around. Yeah. Uh, but it's Bill Clinton's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Uh, so Sylvia is at the aforementioned convent with Evie. Uh, and some bitchy friend of hers. I think it's the same bitchy friend. Uh, her name is Mrs. Pelham. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the same bitchy friend that she was hanging out with in the first part. I, uh, that would make remember sense. Remember because that guy pulled up in his flash car? 
And yeah. Sylvia was like, get the F out of here with your flash car. <laughs> right. She's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> who taught you how to conduct an affair? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Uh, anyway, her friend is just like, fucking what? Like, yeah. why are you here? Yeah. And she ashes her cigarette in the <laughs> holy water. Right. <laughs> and even Sylvia's like, dude. Yeah. It was just like, that's not an ashtray. And Pelham is genuinely like taken aback. Yeah. It's just like, oh, why? Well, I assumed it was an ashtray. Like, yeah. What? Well, and you know, uh, it's not clear why she went at all because right. Sylvia clearly does not want her there. Yeah. Like at all. Yeah. Because she tells, you know, old Hello Central to take Mrs. Pelham's cigarette outside and put it somewhere. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you mean? Right. Is there a special, like, you know, bike rack for cigarettes? I- <laughs> Possibly. It was a different time. <laughs> it was a different time. No, and I just enjoy it because uh, Hello Central is on cigarette holding and carrying duty often in this episode. That, that woman is on all the time. Yeah. I, re- I want her to be my maid. Yeah. I won't even hit her with a hairbrush. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't remember if we discussed before. I remember being confused as to why she kept getting called Hello Central. We then, never figured it out. Well, I'm pretty sure, though. I'm pretty sure it's because of her voice and the way she always oh, talks. Oh, because she sounds like a telephone operator. Right. And she's always uh-huh. in that character. So that's that's sort of what I think it is. Perhaps reading the books by Ford, Maddox Ford. <laughs> what are you, like the lost Brangelina child? Yeah, I don't. I don't read books by people with palindromic names like that. It's not, it's not cool. Um, yeah, they talk about Sea Batch a little bit, and I loved this scene. Yeah, I, you guys, I think this is one of the most romantic things I've watched in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like, or that's come out. Like, it's yeah, extremely yeah. romantic, and I'm usually not soppy. <laughs> about this kind of thing but i just think this story is so beautiful and tragic and wonderful so far yeah because she is so in love with seabatch mm-hmm. and she wants his well, she approval about, like, and she, she talks wants about him his, to like her his ability to buy like furniture and paintings yeah and stuff. she's you know and she is in fact as her you know quote-unquote friend points out that she is soppy about him no and it just it makes me so sad yeah you know because well, she says that she's just gonna be good and chaste and dutiful and eventually he'll have a couple whiskeys and want to bang her again and i just yeah, love her like, when she's like he must want to sometimes because yeah. she is clearly so sexually motivated right and he she can't i mean that's one of the fundamental incompatibilities about the two of them yeah you know, clearly he wants to sometimes. He did in that train, for God's sake. Right. And he's just shoving it all back down. Yeah. He's just decided that, you know, he can never be DTF again. <laughs> <laughs> Look what happened the last time. <laughs> I married a whore. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a really fun sitcom. <laughs> I married a whore. <laughs> I'm going to write that. Okay. <laughs> uh, next, next we get a cricket scene. Um, Look out, homoeroticism, ahoy! Yeah. Well, and actually, the, there's not. There any. isn't any in this scene as it happens. It does open, however, with a uh, bratty Wanup kid. Oh God! Uh, saying, "Can someone tell me why I'm here?" Which. I do believe it's it ev- an Eton cricket match. You yeah. go to Eton, you <laughs> right. little shit. But I do believe that it's a sentence that is uttered at most cricket matches. <laughs> um, some people enjoy it, sure. Um, but- I'd like to go to a modern cricket match. Okay. 
I suppose we'll need to go to Britain. <laughs> or, you know, various parts of the world. But do we understand what a crumpet is? Because <laughs> I've been led to understand from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that is the only way to understand cricket. <laughs> so, what is a crumpet? Anyone? I don't know, honestly. I know what a scone is, or a scone. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like, you know, pastry and, like, who cares about specifically. Speaking like, of which, this is jumping ahead a bit in this scene. But right. They have a hell of a spread at this cricket match. <laughs> they do. The food tent, I was like, damn! Uh, well, this is, uh, well, it's the last throws of the imperial class. That's true. As uh, Socialist Kid is pointing out. Um, and he's saying that he wishes he was at the working man's college attending a lecture on imperialism, the last stage of capitalism. All and uh, Val, or as we like to call her, Mary Culligan. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, says perhaps he should go to the working man's college in the fall instead of Oxford because you know that she's dying to go to Oxford. Yeah. Just dying to. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know. Uh, he says, some of us are taking down uh, the citadels of privilege from the inside. And their mom, I love their mom, yeah. played by the inimitable Miranda Richardson, Indeed. says, oh, well, isn't that lucky for some of us? Yeah. Like, they both hate him yeah. so much. Oh, yeah. Because he is getting his entire education paid for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Miranda Richardson has to, you know, Write yeah. stupid articles about crap. You know, say what you will about obnoxious, uh, you know, libertarian teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, at least they're like, it's not hypocritical. They're mm-hmm. literally just saying, I want to do whatever I want to and no yeah. one can stop me. It's like, well, fine enough. You're, you're horrible, but at least, you know. At least it's an ethos. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and then, oddly enough, Valerie catches a cricket ball, which I'm like, is uh, that... Her name is Valentine. Oh, sorry, Valentine. Like Valentine that... Wigan. Right. Whose role I'm to understand in the recent adaptation of Ender's Game has been significantly reduced, and Peter Wigan is only in one scene. That's so, odd. I know a lot of people are staying away from that movie because of the Orson Scott card-hating gay people thing, right. which is a very good reason to stay away. Sure. But I'm like, what's the point? Yeah. That is... It's a really vital part of that story. It really is. I know. Yeah. And apparently, spoiler alert, like, anybody that Ender kills, it is left very ambiguous as to whether they died. Hmm. Which I'm like, uh, he commits an entire genocide. Like, I think (laughs) we need to deal with this. (laughs) We need to talk about Ender. Yeah. His name is Ender. Well, that is all intriguing. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. (laughs) This is what I think about the recent film adaptation of Ender's Game, which I have not seen. And what I think about this scene that we're discussing <laughs> is that uh, it just seemed odd to me that she just got up and caught a ball like she's in the audience. Like, would, Well, like, and all the is- men are like, a girl on the cricket field. <laughs> my, my. I think we've all got the plague, have we? <laughs> well, I, I, I guess that's it for civilization then. It's been fun. What fresh buggery is this? <laughs> um... <laughs> So, yeah, after her triumph on the cricket pitch, uh, she heads off to the tea tent and runs into... She runs into Satterthwaite, Satterthwaite. who's talking to the politician that I believe they threw that blood on. Right. Or something. Well, it wasn't... I think it was a different politician. A bunch of those but, people are at this cricket match. Anyway, right. but so she's talking to Mrs. Satterthwaite, and this guy's like, oh, she knows our friend Teachens. And Satterthwaite is like, fucking really? Yeah. Is that how I get introduced now? <laughs> God, I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Mary Culligan is like, uh, oh, you know, I'm not gonna bother you anymore. 
uh, politician with my inferior mind and incapacity for anything much apart from motherhood. Yeah. And I'm like, boom. Yeah. And sat with weight, gets out her pince nez <laughs> and goes, that's my first suffragist <laughs> or suffrage. I think she says think suffragette. She, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, a very awkward conversation that ended excellently. <laughs> Then, however, there's, like, a more disturbing conversation when she runs into one of the other, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, White hairs. Yeah. Uh, he says he'd like to smack her bare bottom Yeah, uh, for her insolence. And she... Man, yeah. I love her. Yeah. I love damn near every character in this thing. Like, mm-hmm. they're all great. They're all hyper-specific. Yeah. And she says, I'm sure you think of little else. Yeah. And I'm like, you have a really nuanced understanding of the way the patriarchy perpetrates its cycle of abuse <laughs> yeah. and how it's all tied into creepy sexual politics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, oh, and you militant girls are gasping for it. And, then, and like, nobody said anything about gasping. They just yeah. vote. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so she finally manages to get out of his clutches. Yeah. Yeah. And gets back over to where her mother and brother are. Or did this happen before when the general came over? This happened before because that's when she went to the tea tent. Oh, okay. The general played by Roger Allen, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Javert. Oh, right. Uh, he comes over, and he's talking to uh, Mrs. Culligan. And she's like, uh, hey, you still owe me $50 for the damage you inflicted on my mare. Right, Which right, is, like, right. a year ago. Oh, right, yeah. Because And he's like, uh, yeah, hell no, I'm not doing that. And then it, like, comes out that, you know... Uh, Mary Culligan definitely was there. Yeah. And his sister is very like, right. oh, like, what were you doing yeah, at well, that she time? Says, because uh, Mary Culligan says, uh, you know, you also didn't honk your horn. I'm a witness. Uh-huh. And then the sister is like, well, I'm a witness, too, of what I couldn't say. Yeah. So it gets a little awkward. Yeah. And it's like, seriously, what about those 50 pounds? Like, <laughs> right. that horse was severely injured. It was. <laughs> So next we see the the Wanups back at Shea Wanup. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Wanup is is writing uh, an article and she's writing about the Balkans, mm-hmm. the the Balkan, Balkan situation, right? Uh, and she got all her info from Seabatch, who has been breaking it down all over the British Isles. He told uh, Father, what's his name? Uh, Consit. Yeah. Well, because Father Constant had business in Berlin, and Seabatch was like, uh, hey, you damn dirty Irish Republican. <laughs> right. Don't get too comfy, because we're all going to be killing each other, like, so soon. Yes. Uh, but so she got all of her intel from him, which I'm like, you were, like, what a solid dude. Yeah. I just, I really like Tejans. Yeah. Even, like, he is a dick, but I just like him. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. something, he's very consistent. Yeah. He he really is. He's like Lord Grantham if Lord Grantham had an ounce of commitment. Right. It's Lord Grantham with a backbone. Yes. Yeah. And a stiff upper lip. <laughs> oh, boy. Then we get another scene with Rufus Sewell. Rufus, what did they do to your face? Yeah. It looks plasticine, and it makes me very sad. It is unfortunate. But his performance, yeah. on point, yeah. he's talking to the bishop... <gasps> Played by Alistair from mm. As Time Goes By. Indeed. We told you every British actor is in this thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the bishop feels uh, – oh, and his his wife is, like, waiting outside yes. the door Edith anxiously. Edith is her name. Yeah. Edith uh, Dushman. <laughs> no, Dushman. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, 
They love to entertain of a summer's eve. Yes. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, the bishop is is come to express his concern about the, the parish magazine. The parish magazine, which he feels is maybe not the place to argue that restrictive female undergarments are uh, harming women's sexual health. And Rufus Sewell is like, I have no idea what. It's the perfect place. Right. He was like, oh, you, you, I, I assumed everybody would be fine with this. <laughs> <laughs> so Edith is like freaking out and it's not even clear what the stakes are here. Well, I mean, you know, I think. Would she get kicked out of the parsonage if he was declared incompetent? I mean, I would think because they would have to bring somebody else in to be the parson. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, yeah. Mary Culligan comes over because she has promised that she would go over there. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, Mrs. Doucheman doesn't have any friends her own age. <laughs> it is. It may be because of her wackadoodle husband. That, you know, actually, that could be. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's like I've got you and that one deaf lady. Like that's it. <laughs> right. That's the whole inner circle. Right. You should make more deaf friends, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care what he says about corsets. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it all seems to have gone off. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Doucheman escorts everybody out and then he comes back in and says he smells sulfur. Yeah. And that Beelzebub is around and we're like, what? Like it is an extremely uncomfortable and yet hilarious scene. Yes. Because the devil that he smells is the corset that his wife is wearing. Yeah. Uh, he also hates brassiers and any kind of swaddling. Yeah. No, and it's super uncomfortable because this whole time she's completely, she's talking about, what about poetry, you know, yeah. the higher things. She's like, remember how I'm banging that Scottish guy and he has <laughs> these things every Friday? Like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. And he rips her corset off. And Mary Culligan, mm-hmm. gosh, what a spitfire. Yeah. She jumps in and she says, how right you are, Mr. Doucheman. All of us new women are united against the corset. It is the very devil. Yes. And she's like. And she starts guiding away and it's like, you should write an article for us. And, all and then sort Mrs. Doucheman just passes out straight yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very well. She is quick on her feet. Mm-hmm. That That is great. I, we Huge fans of her. Huge fans. Oh, so that's a, that's a thing, you know, cause it's like this love triangle and it's like, but I like them both. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's true. Like Seabatch doesn't appear to like either one of them. <laughs> right. And we're like, what's wrong with you, Seabatch? You could, he, you could have everything. He swore an oath to the his, Groby tree, <laughs> to his king and country to never enjoy anything. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a nice tea. <laughs> Yes. Then uh, we see Sylvia riding along a fashionable uh, horse riding area. Promenade? Yeah. I don't know what you call it, but a bunch of fancy people are riding their fancy horses around. And they're pooping fancy poops. <laughs> yes. Um, and it is apparently the Christmas season as she runs into... Uh, the general. The general and potty. Oh, chump stash. Yeah. Who she... Uh, she Saucily is the living best. As she rules because she's just like, like as much as Seabatch like doesn't care, like they both don't care what the official, like they abide yeah. by the official truth, but she's like, oh my God. Yeah. I have totally seen your penis stash. <laughs> <laughs> and the general like has no idea because he's like, which like credit to Seabatch. He yeah. kept this whole thing really quiet. Yeah, indeed. He should be, uh, you know, like a Kerry Washington-esque fixer type person <laughs> yeah. on Scandal. He should be. Yeah. 
Somebody make that happen. <laughs> uh, we've never seen Scandal, but we trust that it's uh, as, you know, what everybody says it is. Yes. It sounds great. I just don't have the time. Yeah. It has Noel on it, though, from from Felicity. Okay. Maybe over Christmas you can watch it. <laughs> Maybe this so. This has been us making plans that don't involve you. <laughs> now back to our regularly scheduled snark. Yes. Um, anyway, the general tells Sylvia to tell her husband that the war office wants his entire department lined up and shot because they're not being cooperative. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, we don't really talk, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then she saucily rides away on her fancy, fancy horse. Indeed she does. It's New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. That's right. And Sylvia is at a crazy jazz party. Yeah, it it looks like one of Cousin Rose's crazy jazz parties, but with significantly higher production <laughs> Yes, notably. Uh, and it is then hilariously contrasted with Seabatch's New Year's Eve party, which is him and like five old people sort of standing around looking at the clock and bidding each other a cordial new year. Yeah. They're shaking hands. <laughs> yeah. He's doing a puzzle. <laughs> right. Oh, it's like your favorite kind of New Year's, babe. <laughs> it seemed all right. Yeah, and they talk about, you know, the war that uh, Seabatch is continuing to warn everybody about. Yeah, and they're all like, no way. And yeah. he's like, yes way. God, I've been literally saying this for years, people. Yeah, but they all, uh, of course, don't listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sylvia hangs out at the party a bit with this uh, Brownlee character. Why? Does everybody that she fucks around with have the dumbest name? <laughs> uh, Karmic Justice? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, Brownlee attempts to invite himself up to her place. Uh, she ain't having it. No. She's like, no, thank you. Yeah. I'm living chaste because I want to. <laughs> yes. So she gets up there and Hello Central is still up waiting for her to come home. And Well, but she thinks she hears a floorboard creak and she thinks that... Seabatch uh, has come home mm-hmm. and she gets very excited and yeah. then she goes up and it's just Hollow Central like sleeping sitting up in a chair right and like imme- like she doesn't even miss a beat when uh, Sylvia comes in she's like oh hello madam happy new year yeah. like are yeah. you a robot she may be that's actually that actually like makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean except that there's no such thing as robots but man she is she's steampunk yeah <laughs> Yeah, she is never off guard. No. So she says, well, why are you even up? Go back to bed. And then she's like, well, since you're up. Yeah. Why don't you take my clothes off? Yeah. Because I don't know how. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She would literally have to sleep in that dress otherwise. (laughs) We see Mary Colligan caressing a Christmas card that they received from... Christopher Teachens. Teachens, yes. Uh, and then we see Seabatch finishing a jigsaw puzzle. So, you know. Like, good job. Good job. If only he could put the shattered pieces of his <laughs> life together so quickly. Indeed. Symbols! We got them! Yeah. Oh, they've, they've got them on this show. <laughs> like that, it kind of annoys me a little bit. Oh, really? I don't feel like it's ton. that overbearing. Uh, well, like the, look, that fish eagle was a bit much. The fish eagle, the compact in her and the mirror in her compact that's got a crack running to anyway it didn't bother me at all yeah i mean that's fine you're just dead inside i know much <laughs> like sea batch <laughs> uh, those of us who are dead inside deserve entertainment for us too man <laughs> we're people are you <laughs> it's a fair question suffragette rally 
uh, also higher production values than other suffragette oh, rallies we've most seen. most certainly. <laughs> yeah. Um, no uh, Jeremy Piven anywhere. Right. Uh, but it's taking place out in front of an art museum, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mary Colligan heads into the art museum and just, like, chills out there for whatever reason. Then a radical suffragette comes in and hacks up a nude as yeah she says you think that's all women are good for yeah i mean i'm assuming she was part of the suffragist movement but she also could have just been a religious whack job well i mean that's true or you know both yeah that's true combining the two uh crazies (laughs) yeah so yeah and you know and and uh Mary Culligan is is appropriately perturbed to see this sort of dark turn that wanting women's rights can take because mm-hmm. she liked that painting. Yeah. She thought it was very beautiful. Yeah. And then this lady got real cranky and, and hatcheted <laughs> it up. Yeah. Sylvia is off at an exhibition of the post-impressionists where she uh, she is meeting Brownlee there. Uh <laughs> Who is first of all very cranky that she is late. She shows up when she wants. Right. Uh, so she does not, you know, care. He's like, I wanted to meet at the Ritz. And she's like, this is near the Ritz. Yeah. Uh, and he also believes that they are there to see the past impressionists, which she uh, gives him the withering. Well, and he tries to make a joke. Right. And she's like, don't quit your day job, Brownlee. <laughs> and she's looking at this, uh, you know, this other nude that right. has not been ruined. Yes. Uh, and she's like, oh, I might buy one to annoy Christopher. And he's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, let's definitely annoy your husband. I'm, wow, yeah, great. You know what would annoy him? Sexual intercourse. <laughs> what ho? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, Sylvia really does give a new meaning to the phrase, what ho? <laughs> what ho? Yeah. Very unclear. Uh, but uh, he says he'll buy it for her if she stops being so cruel. And she yeah. just smiles. And she's like, being cruel is pretty much my jam. Yeah. It's like, why do you think you have a chance, sir? Yeah. What has she done that has led you to believe that? Because it's- Look, she loves being cruel. Yeah. It's literally her entire hobby. Yeah. She hits people with hairbrushes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, speaking of people who love cruelty, Seabatch <gasps> loves the painting that that which is a, it's a different painting. Yeah, it is and a it's different some, painting. We know it's landscape, a, right? Well, he's got a boner for land. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, this is so and so from his so and sos in the 1760s." Whatever. He knows what she's like is. a small child or a puppy, and she's yeah. so happy. Yeah. But then he, of course, pisses all over her ardor. Right. By saying, oh, you shall have it in your bedchamber. And she's like, oh, now yeah. you hurt my feelings because I bought it for you right. to look at. And he is flustered and is like, oh, well, the, the breakfast room then. But, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but I'll we'll, we'll have what? to wear a hair shirt while we <laughs> look at it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I promise never to look at the painting again. <laughs> Yeah, so it's and and yeah, I mean she's really crushed in this scene mm-hmm. and it's um it's affecting. It's very sad. Yeah, yeah. It affects everyone but Seabatch. <laughs> yeah. McMaster is uh talking with uh Seabatch or Chrissy as he calls him. Um and he basically needs money and he's trying to get Seabatch to say it's okay for him to borrow money from Edith. 
so that he can live in a manner that is appropriate for Edith. Right. And I'm like, it, just get a joint checking account. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was... I, I was a little unclear on the flow of well, what's he, going on Well, you know, there. he feels like he needs to live a because he is kind of like a, you know, a scumbag. <laughs> right. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, he's doing well for himself, mm-hmm. scumbag. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know, Seabatch is like, I, you know, I'll give you some money. Like, don't, you know, don't pay for pussy. <laughs> right. Or don't get paid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By your lover. Right. And he's like, oh, you know, it would be a loan. And Seabatch is like, no. He's I like, don't, he's like, I don't lend money. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I'm a rapper. Yeah. <laughs> C-Batch would also be a really good rapper name. That's true. MC C-Batch. <laughs> McG could be his hype man. <laughs> uh, P.S. Cousins. Yes. I did put this on Twitter. But it's still exciting. The Sadie and the Hotheads. I believe it's their official Twitter account mm-hmm. is now following us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and as I posited on Twitter, I am curious to see how long it will be before they stop <laughs> following us. I Look. did use the hashtag cow song or get the fuck out. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll meet McG. I don't know what could happen. Yeah. You know, I Maybe. Belie- I believe you mean Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd even settle for one of the lesser hotheads. <laughs> That's true. If you're a hothead and you're in town, uh, stop on by. Yeah, totally. You're Oakland, <laughs> California. Our, our door's always open to a hothead. <laughs> <laughs> we could help you get a gig. Yeah, sure. People here would love that crap. I, I would imagine. McMaster has uh, been making inroads with various uh, people connected to you know the royal court. Uh, his book on Browning was well received by the gold stick of the bedchamber or something like that. What does that e- God, I hate when British people do a deep cut like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, there are other countries. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's basically angling to get knighted. And Seabatch is like, yeah, you're doing fine at that. It's probably going to happen. Seabatch is like the fucking oracle at Delphi, man. He is. Well, and he's, you know, also, of course, the Cassandra of this situation. <gasps> Ironico! Right. Because McMaster is like, remember how you said uh, that the war would start around when the grouse shooting in 1914 started? He's like, well, time's running out. And Seabatch is like, ho. yeah, we're right on schedule. And Seabatch is like, yes, I'm afraid it is. Mm-hmm. Enjoy Scotland, because... You know, nothing is going to, to be. Real. Yeah, nothing's going to be enjoyable for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, Sybil's going to have to become a nurse. Yeah, he also tells. By the way, uh, Edith and McMaster not banging. Like, I don't think they oh, really? have in fact banged. Up oh, that makes. I'm pretty sure that that is true. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Actually, no, because you know what? It's, this is like my end of sixth sense moment. Because now that you mention it, uh-huh. that makes a hell of a lot more sense. Right. In context of when they do go to Scotland. Right. Well, because Seabatch uh, tells McMaster that he must resist his desire to finish his conversations mm-hmm. with Edith, which I thought, I was like, wow. That's a great euphemism. Yeah. I'm glad you picked up on the meaning because I was like, what do you even, they're just talking about poems. <laughs> right. The Rossettis and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, they, they want to finish that conversation. Mm-hmm. And indeed, they that time has come because who should arrive at a hotel but, quote, Mr. and Mrs. McMaster. Opening the door for the lady wife, I shouldn't think. Yeah. I love the caddy proprietors of this hotel. Oh, yeah. But it's like, also, 
does this not happen on a regular basis? It's like, the Edwardian age. Is this not what hotels are for? In Scotland? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. Dudes. Yeah. But anyway, they um they get upstairs mm-hmm. and she immediately is freaking out saying, right. they know, they know. And he's like, they don't know. But in his mind, he's like, they don't. Yeah, don't care. Well, and you know, I have to give credit to the direction and the performances because mm-hmm. they look guilty as fuck right. getting out of that car. They They're do. like, uh, we're definitely married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so. So yeah. So they, they finally, uh, get to consummate and finish the conversation right. well, uh, while she clutches a newspaper that says the Russian army is mobilizing right. in one of my favorite cutaways <laughs> of all time. Yeah. Well, cause they start to, he starts to um, like move towards the bed and she's like, no, don't mess up the bed. She's like, here, let's have sex on top of impending war. <laughs> that is uh, the best place to have sex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it makes you think. <laughs> Let's never finish that conversation. <laughs> uh, then we see uh, Northumberland. <gasps> Henry the Fourth. <IV. laughs> Which is where uh, Seabatch is spending his August. And they're having a convocation of upper class twits. <laughs> <laughs> Are all... Because <laughs> they ran out of chutney. They're all... <laughs> they ran out of their own chutney. Yes. The horror. <laughs> Again, because they're talking about war and they're all being like complete like. Well, yeah, because Sylvia like refuses to engage and is right. attacking her mother who has taken to Irish Republican politics mm-hmm. uh, under the tutelage of the priest. Right. Uh, and, you know, this old dude is like, there's not going to be any war. He, and literally immediately says, red. this is not our own chutney. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God. It was fantastic. Somebody get this man into a hole. <laughs> we about fell over. It was so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know who that dude, maybe that's the Duke. I think it is. Because they are, they're, you know, part of his house party over yeah, the yeah. summer. But it, and I think he was at the head of the table. Yeah, too, it's, so it's not really clear who the duke is but we yeah. think it might have been the duke of chutney <laughs> indeed yeah and you know a lot of talk about you know tin pot little nation and no will to fight and mm-hmm. all this sort of thing oh so. yeah and like oh if it had been us in serbia we would have declared war three weeks ago and it's like you know it's really easy yeah to say crap like that yeah it is while and you're... people oh like to this day people are still saying crap like that and it's I like know. hey idiots yeah well, we'll get into that later because I think uh, Mary Culligan has a really astute sort of like yes. breakdown of war and why it's so stupid. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, Sylvia and Seabatch are hanging out on a cliff um, watching a fish eagle, which is very meaningful somehow. Like they they keep talking about the fish eagle and she says that she hopes she comes back as a fish eagle. And it's like, you know, fine. I just don't know what it was. Look, she's just constantly looking for metaphors about death. Right. Like, she... Well, metaphors, it. and also, she was just like, I'm going to jump off this cliff. Like... Well, no, and she's... <laughs> because he said, you know, uh, listen, I'm sorry, sweetie, but we're, like, definitely going to war. And she's like, shut up. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you kind of... 
I kind of can't blame her for kind of wanting to stick her head in the sand because it's not as if, again, women can't vote right. or be in the House of Lords right. or uh, the other thing. Uh, commons. commons. Yeah. That- What's the one for the poor people? <laughs> um, you know, all of the women in Britain are simply being dragged into this yeah. with absolutely no voice in the matter. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this is not right. unusual right. at any point previous to this but i Mm -hmm. think that they do a really great job of depicting women's anger at their forced helplessness yeah in the face of this conflict that they want no part of indeed um we see uh the mcmasters rowing on a lake at this hotel which is beautiful oh my god like i don't even think that's the hotel i think it's like a castle oh okay just this gorgeous castle yeah. right on the lake and yeah. like sign me up i want to go to scotland right now y'all yeah. got castles for days <laughs> it's true you know i think uh, i think what we want is scotland like in august i think yeah yeah perhaps not the scotland in november so much okay fair enough <laughs> well it's not like we're gonna pick up and go right now tom we have jobs oh i'm sorry <laughs> um but catastrophe <gasps> They go in to a garden where they're going to have tea or something. Uh, and who should be in that same tea garden but the bishop? Oh, God. And Edith flips out, yeah. runs away. McMasters is just like... Yeah. And uh, she, yeah, she's like, we can't leave together, you stupid asshole, or whatever she, <laughs> she said. She calls him an oaf. An oaf, yes. Well, and I like this because, like, he's been like, I'm so worldly. And she's like, you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he uh, he has to call in Chrissy to the rescue. Yeah. It's so funny that everybody calls him Chrissy. It is. Because he seems like the sort of person who would be like, please, call me Christopher. <laughs> yeah. But like he's too polite to correct them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but it is weird. Uh, anyway, so he, you know, arranges to, to get her on the train mm-hmm. and take her back. Because I don't know how that's any better. Right. That... You know, I assume that there were very British reasons why that, you know, yeah. salvaged the situation somehow. So, you know, fine. Uh, but hey, guess what? Also today, uh, war were declared. Yeah. So, so uh, this was going on. They were having a garden party at Downton Abbey. Right. Uh, everyone's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Garden party at Downton Abbey. Scandal in Scotland. The world does keep a turning on its <laughs> axis. It does. Yeah. So... We revisit our old friends, the Imperial Department of Statistics, mm-hmm. where uh, they uh, see Batch's like manager or whatever is berating him that they need to produce numbers that will show that England is contributing like proportionately to the war effort as, as, al- along with France, so that they can justify their demand that it be a dual command rather than a single command, which is the most. Are you not in the military? Right. Do you not understand how the hierarchy works and why that is vital? Yeah. Oh, my God. There were, I can't even tell you, like, the specific disasters that this caused. I mean, it like... Make, look, I didn't realize that this was a thing, oh, but it yeah. makes me so angry. Right. The thing, and, the, you know, it's, the thing about it is that both commands, you know, were were, like, idiots in their own ways... But, like, it just made things so much, like, they were getting in each other's way, like, each side had to, like, like, the British would have this offensive plan, but then the French would have a different plan, and so they'd have to put it off, and then it was, you know, like, all just all this sort of thing, and... 
all through the war, like, people were trying to get them to have a single unified command, but not, neither side would ever let it happen. No, and it's like, this is my problem with war in general. I'm like, in general. <laughs> you know, if the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah. Like, you can have as many different, you know, offenses offensive plans and whatever but like right. it's still you really think that just killing a bunch of people is going to solve all of your problems right and i mean that was definitely general Haig. that was as far as he was concerned like he he was very like he was like yes we keep killing a whole bunch of germans and that's the fact that we haven't made any progress forwards or anything else doesn't matter my job is i'm here to kill germans and i will continue doing that forever like that <laughs> he you know he was just dumb. Like, he, you know, he, yeah. had, he was completely uncreative was his thing. Mm-hmm. He was like, kill Germans, check. Done. No more thinking. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure we'll all see more of this as uh, parade. Oh, I'm, I'm really excited to see Seabatch's dissatisfaction with the way that the war is being run. Yeah. Uh, back at Shea Wanup, the Wanups are having quite... The row. The row. This is... A, like, this is the definitive row. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, that little shit that uh, is the communist or whatever is all like... He's like, oh, you know, fuck everybody. I hope, you know, that they all die with blood in their lungs. And uh, Mary Culligan is like, I thought you were a pacifist. And he's like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. the guilty will get what's coming to them. The phone rings. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mary Culligan goes and picks that up. And then he says he hopes that uh, all of the women get raped. Yeah. And then Mrs. Uh, Culligan starts throwing food at him. Yeah. She's so angry. Yeah. It is like, and this is just in the, in the background. Yeah. This is, you, yeah. You can't <laughs> even, like just, you know, mm-hmm. Mary Culligan's just on the phone and they are just like going at each other. Yeah. And it's highly satisfactory because this <laughs> yeah. kid is the worst. He is. It's true. In San Francisco, we would call this person a Trustfarian. <laughs> yes, indeed. And we would also throw food at him. No, because that's what he wants. <laughs> that's true enough. We just throw deodorant and bars of soap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, Edith is calling Mary Colligan over uh, because Mary Colligan hangs out with the sorts of women who. How do you get rid of a baby? And uh, Mary Culligan is like, oh, uh, this is not what I thought right. was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it's, oh, boy, this scene. It's great, though. Oh, yeah. This is up there, I think, with, um, in this season of Mad Men, the scene between somebody named Sylvia. Oh. Sylvia is really en vogue for TV this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Megan Draper talking about right. how Megan had a miscarriage. Right. Like, I just, you know, there's just not enough scenes in film and TV with women talking about, you know, reproduction and mm-hmm. their relationship to it. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is d- a different flavor because here we discover exactly what a naive yes. Mary Culligan, in fact, is. Yeah, because it, it gets to the point where Edith is like, you do know how babies are made, don't you? And she's like, of course I do. I, But you mean... You can do it without making a baby? Yeah. And it is the cutest thing. And I just want to snuggle her and be like, shh, Mary Culligan. <laughs> it is going to be okay. Yeah. But no, but it's great because she finally lays into Edith. Yeah. And is like, oh, you know, 
I can't believe this because she is like saying all kinds of horrible shit about McMaster now. Yeah. Calling him a, the jumped up, son, the jumped up son of an Edinburgh fishwife. Yeah. Uh, that he went off like a tomcat in heat. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm kind of like, okay, look, it does take two to tango, but you know right. what? We've all said shit when we think we're pregnant. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know she's. She's in a tight spot. Yeah, and you know her her husband has we discover been finally committed right. to an asylum, and you yeah. know she's caught. Right. And uh, anyway, but uh, Carrie Mary Mary Culligan. Right. This is very confusing. This is the most confusing nickname we've ever done. <laughs> it, it is actually Mary Culligan. <laughs> Is like just she finally just loses it and she's like I'm so pointless and mm-hmm. everything sucks but I thought at least you were living for love and for beauty yeah and just you know because she's not even really bought into that whole poetry bullshit <laughs> right but she just you know yeah, she, she liked, liked the idea this... that it was happening yeah and, and that that and that and that Edith was dealing with the you know horrible card she'd been dealt. With, you know, Father Crazy mm-hmm. and by finding <laughs> <laughs> by like just elevating herself to the celestial spheres of yeah. beauty and all this sort of thing. And, and rising above. Yeah. And it turns out she's just down here in the muck with all the rest of us poor sinners. Right. Uh anyway, it's a very affecting scene. It's it is. also very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Also, yeah. ladies, don't just assume because your friend's a feminist she knows where you can get an abortion. <laughs> yeah. That is extraordinarily presumptuous. Right. Or at least be a little nicer about the way that you say it. Like, you hang out with the sorts of women who love to kill babies. <laughs> right. <laughs> they have parties. Uh, so at the general's office, he is uh, planning a ceremony. By the way, can we talk about the way Seabatch just dropped the mic and quit his job? Oh, my God. Yeah, we didn't really. We somehow skipped he that a bit. He just said, I hate this department. You all suck. I quit and I'm joining the army. Yeah. And that, I mean, that would like, he's like, oh, I hate this department. I resign. Right. And it was just, well, cause you, you know, you know that this is an argument that he has had with the supervisors, you know, mm-hmm. every few weeks, as long as he's had this job. And it's just suddenly it was like, okay, that was the last straw. Mm-hmm. I'm out. And just like, not even, he, he didn't like, you know, yell or anything like that. Like he didn't seem like he didn't flip out or anything. Mm-hmm. He just like, okay, bye. Yeah. And uh, it was it was it was badass. I mean, it was. Uh, so, yeah. So he talks about things with this general for a bit, um, and it turns out that he has not yet told Sylvia about his quitting Decision. and joining the yeah. army. Yeah, seems like she should know. Yeah, uh, and so we cut to him having told her she's uh, not pleased. She's taken to her bed. Yeah, uh, and she thinks he's a fool, uh, and she's you know really pissed at him, and she mm-hmm. says. That she can't sleep at night anymore. That because the darkness is work at worse at night and it creeps in everywhere like black ink. That's just the Groby tree, <laughs> right? Well, she she threatened to cut it down and it heard. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Seabatch hears this and like moves towards her to comfort her. And she says, no, don't touch me now that it's too late. And he's like, oh, <gasps> shit. That's should've fair. Should have had those whiskeys, man. <laughs> yeah. She might have been a little more accommodating. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. And that, that particular, her, her saying, don't touch me now when it's too late, 
I don't know why that particularly for me, but I was like, oh my God, this is so good, this show. This show is amazing. Yeah. It's so well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those shows where you watch it and you just enjoy every part of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've taken almost no notes. Right, right. Uh, because yeah. it's just so immersive. Mm-hmm. Like you start watching it and it has this beautiful dreamy quality almost. Like yeah. that's the thing that stuck with me between these two episodes. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like this destination. Song. Like if there's yeah. a different feel to it. There is. And I think it's down to the direction. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it deals like Seabatch being so knowledgeable about exactly when the war is going to happen. Like, I want to be annoyed by it. I am a little tiny bit just because that's such a – it's easy to know the future when you're being written by somebody from the future, you know? Like it's easy for a character to make those predictions. Right, but I mean, come on. Like he was in a position to know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and he is a highly analytical man. He worked in the Department of Imperial Statistics for God's sake. It's true. I mean – No, no, no. I mean, this is, it, well, this is what he's passionate about is – Putting it, you know, he put yeah. together a puzzle. No, no, no. Tom, I understand. He put together a puzzle. <laughs> Puzzles aren't that hard. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it you never did an Edwardian puzzle. <laughs> that's true. But um, that shit was hella hard. Uh, believe me, I've read the descriptions of them in the catalog bits and pieces that we used to get that would have all kinds of fancy jigsaw puzzles in it and i would read it and i would lobby for them but we never got any i'm sorry well they were like a hundred dollars well that's why i never got an american girl doll yeah Mm -hmm. (sighs) our childhood dreams (laughs) shattered by catalogs (laughs) the shanikin story right (laughs) it's funny the catalogs both created and destroyed our dreams they were really uh much like the hindu god shiva in that (laughs) respect God of catalogs. <laughs> um, so yeah. So after that awkwardness, Seabatch says he's going across to tell McMaster, who lives in the same building with them. Yes, their their flat is directly across. Which God, that's got to be annoying. Yeah. Uh, and McMaster is having one of his Fridays, which is some- McMaster Fridays. I love him. Like, I enjoy the character, but, like, if I knew him in real life, I would punch him right in his goateed face. Oh, yeah. But he is, uh, he's, he's fun. It, and it is, like, apparently, this he's is been the trying most to hipster get... party ever. Yeah. It's so, they're, they're all talking and being catty about stuff mm-hmm. and talking about, the, you know, all the great stuff that they and, know about. And how, you know, grief is now finally palpable and isn't that great. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, it's it's the worst. Um, but Mary Colligan is there uh, at the tea table, at which is what Edith had said. She's like, oh, we'll find a job for you at the tea table. I'm like, why can't she just go? Right. That's a fair question. But, you know, I don't know how things work in England. Yeah. Even after all these podcasts, <laughs> I still don't really get it. Um, Seabatch talks to McMaster, and we find out the fallout. It turns out that the bishop was a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, just basically understood that her husband was in the loony bin yeah. and was willing to cut people some slack mm-hmm. because of that. Which, no, um, and I, I guess um, I was also curious whether or not he had been told about the uh, abortion situation. Right. Because later in this scene, there's a woman talking to Edith who says, I'd like to kiss your abortionist on the mouth. Yeah. And which I think is kind of odd uh, as a thing to say in general. It is not. Uh, I mean, I say I want to kiss people on the mouth a lot. But I'm like, what did right. her abortionist do for you? Uh, you know, gave her hope that if one of her lovers ever uh, impregnated her, yeah, it could be taken care of. Yeah, all right, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, but I mean, you know, it's it's hard to find a reliable one. Uh, yeah. When it's illegal. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get so many emails. <laughs> Listen, if you're planning to write us an angry email about how you're pro-life, please just don't. Yeah. Um, so Seabatch finally, like, like, uh, Mary Culligan's kind of avoiding him a bit and he goes up to her and he's like, come sit by the fire and tell me why you won't talk to me. It's been three years. It's been this three This can't happen years. now. This cannot happen now. It's true. Oh my God. Can you imagine meeting somebody and then not seeing or hearing really directly from them? Like the only communication you've really had is like your mom went on a fact finding mission mm-hmm. and you got a Christmas card yeah. that you're like, you know, if you knew how to masturbate to, you would. Right. Like, yeah. They have not seen each other for three years and they love each other so much. Like it's, you can just see it in both of their faces mm-hmm. and they're both like, it's just, it's devastating. It's yeah. so beautiful and yeah. sad. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. One, before we get into that a little bit more, I do want to point out that one of the people at the party <gasps> is Ruggles. <laughs> and he shares rooms with, uh, Seabatch's brother and Seabatch just says, Oh, you must be the new lodger. Boom. <laughs> Lee. He's like, I don't care. I hate my brother. Yeah. Do you understand? I hate that person. Yeah. Um, but so back by the fire, Seabatch says that he hopes she at least respects him. And his choice to go into the army. And he says that he respects her tremendously. Um, and, you know, they have a whole scene. She says that pain and fear are worst at night. And he's like, hmm. My wife just said the same thing to me an hour ago. I'm beginning to think <laughs> that I'm ruining everyone's lives. And uh, he is. He is. Yeah. Uh, but so, you know, they talk a bit about, you know, being in the in the mist, mm-hmm. their night in the mist. And uh, he says, you know, oh, remember what you said to me and, you know, that I wouldn't bestir myself to mm-hmm. to stop England. And she's saying that he hates his country and he says it's quite the opposite. And he wishes that he lived in the 18th century and he would say all the same things. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just, ah, uh, it's wonderful. This yeah. scene is just excellent. And yeah. then he says he has nothing to live for. And she is like, wait, what? Or he's like, you know, like, he's like, you know why I have nothing to live for. And she is like, oh, Crap, what does she say? Right. Uh, right, because he says something about... He says he you sa- know. He says that he he's bummed out because his wife and uh, up, uh both are just like can't sleep at night because of him. And he says that he doesn't have much to live for because he can't get... She knows that he can't get what he wants. Mm-hmm. And she's like, tell me what I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kind of skates away from it a little bit yeah. and talks about politics or something. And then it comes, like the final thing is like, she's like, why didn't you kiss me Right. that day in the mist? And she's like, got her eyes closed. He just walks away. Yeah. She opens her eyes and he's gone. Yep. And it is just tears yeah. on the side of my face. It is yeah. so sad. Yeah. It's super sad. Just, yeah, very good. This is actually, and this is I'm thinking just now, you know what, that was actually also a very stoppered scene. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that was being said, but it was, you know, completely... It worked. Yeah, well, because completely, they're, they're invisibly stoppered. they weirdos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In their own respectable fashions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and so we end uh, with a montage. Sylvia's at you know, the opera. I don't, I don't hate this montage, but I actually do kind of wish they would have ended it with just him walking out. I, I thought that, that was where it did end, yeah, in fact. Yeah, but instead we've got uh, Sylvia at the opera, and the opera music is underlying it. Seabatch uh, eating breakfast. In his uniform. In his uniform, yes. Uh, that little shit kid getting arrested. I mean, and I'll say that. He yeah. at least, uh, you know, he was very determined not to... Uh, yeah. in the army and he's now paying the price for it in- so indeed he is suck it branson yeah uh we see mcmaster getting knighted we see or getting honors i don't yeah, know if it's I, always I don't think being he's, i don't think he's quite up to being knighted yet yeah i don't really remember how that all works but he's being you know he's granted. being honored in the court yes uh we see uh the wenups uh, mother and daughter. They're making a sign that says peace, not war. And then, uh, some people are throwing rocks through their window. Yeah. And it's very upsetting. Yeah. It's very, very upsetting. Yeah. Uh, and then we see Sylvia praying. We see Seabatch in the trenches. Up to his knees in water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then back to Sylvia at the opera. Uh, and then we see that fish eagle flying okay, around. Okay. I will say that the fish eagle at the end that's a bit on the nose yeah because she's up in the opera box and right. she you know you know turns out she's been the fish eagle the whole time <laughs> right like we get it yeah. we do get that yeah. but yeah just excellent episode yeah fantastic we, we haven't watched uh part three yet but frankly i'm like dying to oh yeah no we're... like as soon as we get this thing cut and print like right. we're doing it <laughs> yes we're doing it up style indeed yeah, so it's fantastic. Again, if you haven't actually watched any of this, you really ought to do yourself a favor and watch it. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. You will not regret it. Yeah. And just just good and just like a quality way, like just the, I don't know, just like the weight of it. You can feel how You can how feel good the weight it of it and, it and it's well done. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just pure enjoyment. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like that sounds tacky somehow but it's just it's just <laughs> yeah it's a pleasure to watch yeah. and i think you know in this age of snark which of course we are fine purveyors of oh yeah uh but it's nice to find something that you can really love unironically yeah yeah uh you know as we all did with downton abbey series one indeed uh and i you know it's great you know do yourself a favor have a good time yeah all right. Well, uh, this has been great. We'll be back in a couple weeks with part three of Parade Zen. That's right. So until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs luncheon out. <laughs>